This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 205 DGS on KMOX. Not to confuse you, but can I just give you some uh, headlines going on right now? Yeah. Sure. Uh, so Rosalind Carter passed away. Mm-hmm. Condolences. Seemed like a wonderful, wonderful lady. Um... Evidently, they have finally been able to get to the point where Donald Trump's tax returns are going to be produced. Still never have. Uh, The excuse was always they're under audit. As soon as they're done, we'll produce them. And this committee says one of the things we found out is they were never under audit. Oh, so that's chill. Um, (laughs) Must be nice to just be able to, like, ignore everything you don't want to deal with. An NBC... uh, Correspondent has been arrested in Israel for being pro Hamas and saying pro Hamas things. Wow. Uh, 200. You said NBC? NBC. Uh, 200,000 children were sexually abused by the Catholic Church in Spain. And a new report out today says that it appears that the Mormon Church has similar numbers and has been hiding it all this time. What the hell? I mean,. I mean, seriously, seriously, if clowns were abusing all these children, you'd never have another clown at a birthday party. No. They would not have Ronald McDonald. No. What is it with the Catholic Church and the Boy Scouts and now the Mormon Church? Well, there, I think there are a few other organized churches, Christian churches, uh, that are not necessarily... Because they're not, they're all different. I mean, obviously, every one, every, every, what's the right word? I'm, lo- I'm, I'm missing a word. Every denomination is a little different, but there have been others that have had similar things too. Um, I don't know. I don't know how, this is one of my biggest problems with any of these groups. How do you, how do you value covering something up more than protecting children? Mm-hmm. And then, and then well, think of yourself as being Christian. Especially when your business, and anyone who says it's not a business, then let's let's tax them. Yep. Because if we tax them, we would have a tremendous amount of money. Mm. Uh, when it's your business to teach morals and to be the representation of God on earth, yep. if you raped one child, that would be awful. But when it seems to be a systemic thing over literal generations, oh yeah, that's that's where I start to puzzle. And over multiple countries. I mean, you just mentioned that's just Spain. That's not counting what's happened here or what's happened in France or Italy 
or South America? What about poor parts of the world where those things never just get reported? Mm-hmm. Because all of these religious groups are all over the world and they're in impoverished countries and they're in wealthy countries. And what about those countries that just don't have a strong legal system? They don't have the mechanisms in place for people to even report them and go fi- and go figure it out. And this is what's happening in the big countries. This is what's happening in, in countries that do have those things. And it still gets shoved aside. It's insane. It's insane. I mean, it seems to me like it's it's a carrot and a stick. It's uh, for what and terrible hiring. Mm-hmm. You know, like w- whatever defense you want to put up, you cannot deny. Pick one. Catholic Church, Mormon, Boy Scouts. You made terrible, awful, galactically negligent decisions on who you hired and who you trusted to be around children who are mm-hmm. defenseless. And then when confronted with your charitably we'll call it negligence you didn't decide to go to the authorities you didn't decide to excommunicate this person and just get them off your books time after time after time after time thousands of times you just moved them quietly to another parish where almost every time they just started doing it again I mean, I don't understand why people aren't more angry about that. And I don't understand. I I think that this pope is one of the first to say, sorry, and he didn't make light of it. He owned up to it. But still, is that enough? And I'm not talking about monetary. I know they've settled and they've paid people for things like that. I just don't understand how it's just like, oh, okay, well, no harm, no foul. I think when you catch wind of this and you catch wind of it, especially on the scale that it was taking place, I think you're kind of faced with a crossroads. The crossroads is either we tackle this head on or we hide from it. We we bury it under the rug. We move these guys to different parishes. We get them away from the trouble spot. Hey, maybe they won't do it again. And I think they've gotten themselves into a position where institutionally they can't. They can't go we have an enormous problem. It has been a problem for potentially as long as our institution has existed, going back thousands of years. We have a problem, and we have absolutely no idea how to fix it. I don't think they can do that. I think that that is like, I think to to do that would almost be saying like, we think that we should be dissolved. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and obviously the the... the the Catholic Church gets the most of the heat here in the U.S. and worldwide. And look, justifiably, they brought it on themselves. Um, it, it, there are so many bad things about it, though, and one of them is all of the people that go, do good work get caught up in the wash. Mm-hmm. All of the people that do it right. My uncle is a Catholic priest. He is the greatest person I know. He is the nicest, most devoted person to other people. He has spent. He's in his 80s. He has spent his entire life helping other people. That's all he's done. And yet this stuff in some people's eyes washes off on him and all of the other great people doing great things. And that's where the, again, the leadership is obviously people committing the crimes are the root of the problem, but the leadership is to blame for the problem because you have to root it out and you can't be protecting people and you can't be protecting reputation over human beings. You just can't. And I don't understand why, these things are not 
I mean, we, we talk about all the civil cases. Why are these things not criminally prosecuted? And I don't just mean the abuses. I mean the cover-up. Why aren't people who were known to have covered these things up, why are they not facing prosecution? Because if you want that to stop, put people in jail. And I don't mean the abuse, because those people doing that are sick, and they belong in jail, they belong away from everybody in society. I'm talking about the leaders who shuffled the cards around and moved people from one place to another. Those people should be in jail. You're covering up crimes. I also don't understand... No one's called yet, but they're thinking it. Anytime this comes up, people will say like, oh, I can't believe you go after the church like this. No, in this case, we're not talking about Dude, one. What What are you talking about? <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of children were raped. How, how dare you not go off on your church? Just How dare you not demand more? Just what we talked about. So you brought up the Spain numbers, right? 200,000. And it's between two and 300,000 in the U.S. So just two countries, half a million kids. That's not counting the rest of the world. I mean, it's millions. If, of course it's millions. If you're just, it's not just happening in two places. And again, I, yeah, those particular cases are about the Catholic Church. But you just pointed out it happened. It's it. People think it's happening within the Mormon church, too. And I guarantee you it's happening in other religious organizations, too. All of it's terrible. It happens in sport. There, what's the latest sports one? Um, I saw this morning, but I forget who is involved. But it was like a youth football program. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, you're right. And and there are always, you know, you, you mentioned the Boy Scouts. The Boy Scouts had a lot of the same problems. Uh, there, are, there are lots of these problems. The difference between when it happens with a youth football program or the Boy Scouts or whatever, is that when it happens in those groups, people go to jail. Mm. It's turned over to the civilian authorities. It's not prote- It's not covered. And, and it's probably less so now than it was for the last 50 years because of the, the coverage these stories have gotten. I remember having an argument with my friend uh, who is a uh, Dr. Tim Jordan, who's a pediatric psychiatrist. This was back probably in the early aughts. And he said... You're doing your kids a disservice by not letting them run around free range because the chances of them being kidnapped and uh, trafficked or raped or something is exceedingly small. Um, But what you're doing by not letting them have their freedom and learn their lessons is going to affect them. And we had a, a pretty big row about it on the air. But it would seem that you're better off letting your kids run around with no supervision than sending them to a church group if you just did pure averages. And I'm not indicting every Christian. I'm not indicting every church. But the numbers are the numbers. It's almost as if when you put your trust in another adult to be around your child, there's a pretty good chance something bad's going to happen. Yeah, and how long until parents just stop entrusting their kids to other adults ever? Yeah. I mean, that seems <laughs> well, to be I the mean, path we're headed down. Well, I mean, we pretty much stopped letting them go out and play on their own, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, my kids never jumped on a bike and took off, and I had no idea where they were going. Yeah. Uh, Maureen and I were always watching them, or someone else's parents were watching them. So we stopped that out of fear of a faceless, nameless ghost out there. But when we but when we have absolute empirical numbers, 
how often it's happening in these institutions, we still seem okay with, oh, yeah, here you go. The places where, you know, it's advertised that they're going to be safest. Yeah. And, you know, I, I keep looking these numbers up as we're going along. So Spain, 200,000, the United States between two and 300,000. Um, and I looked up France, France is almost 300,000 between two and three. So just, again, just three countries, you're close to a million kids. Which would be really good numbers if that was what you were in business to do, right? Mm. Like if that was, if that was your mission statement, wow, you've been really successful. But when it's one of the most abhorrent things any human can do to another, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know how to wrap my mind around how to comment on something this sick. Yeah, it makes you wonder why we do allow these institutions to handle it on their own. It happens in colleges, too, when there's sex abuse on a college campus. Typically, it's like, let us handle it. We're not going to call the police. We're going to let the campus police sort it out. Why do we allow that to happen? That's nuts. It's insane. That's a great point, and that's a major problem on college campuses. Yeah. Again, I know that we're talking a lot about numbers with the Catholic Church, and we know these things are happening in other organizations, secular and religious. We know that. Uh, But obviously, your your mission, your station in this world impacts how you're seen. And when, as you put, you put it well, Dave, when your whole point is morality, when you are about teaching morality, you can't be that. You can't be. I mean, I'm surprised they haven't lost more of their moral high ground. I mean, they have. And and by the way, there are a lot of really devoted, um, hardcore Catholics who hate this. They don't like it anymore. I mean, they. I'm, in fact, again, I'm speaking for a lot of my family members here. They hate this as much as anybody does because, again, they're now falling under that same umbrella, even though their beliefs are not about that. And if you put that in the hands of all of these individual Catholics that I know and my entire family's Catholic, they would have handled it differently. They would have protected the kids. But yet, because these few people who have the kind of power that they do chose to protect the public relations side. They chose to protect the organization over the children. Everybody is, is covered in all of that nastiness. Crazy. 224 DGS. Michael Calhoun is in with us. Special day today, correct? It is. We looked at the calendar and we're like, whoa, this day coming up is on November 20th. That's 1120. What's, what's our frequency? 590, 722, <laughs> 98.7, if you're in the business corridor. So, uh, yeah, we were like, yeah, it's 1120. It's KMOX day. You could say, why not have a little on-air a little celebration? Yeah. yeah. What you got for us? Well, uh, put together some stuff for Total Information AM that kind of uh, goes through the 98 years of KMOX. Mm. 1120 Radio, KMOX St. Louis. And we've got, uh, when it comes to uh, the 98 years that KMOX has been on the air, KMOX set a record uh, for three decades straight, almost 40 years for being number one in the ratings without a loss. Uh, why is the station so beloved for by St. Louisans? That was in the era before smartphones. Still people tune in today, maybe because KMOX has been the place to find community and information in a crisis. A listener a moment ago, Megan, uh, who was three blocks away, said he could feel the heat there. You're, you're only a couple of blocks away. Is it really hot? 
I could definitely tell probably a, a 10 degree at least temperature difference. The Praxair explosions. Hey, Kelly, do me a favor. Hang on just a second. We've got to check in with John O'Connor uh, in the newsroom real quick. We'll come right back to you, John. Sure. Thanks. KMOX has just learned that there's been a shooting at the Kirkwood City Council meeting tonight. Interrupting a blues game. A police helicopter buzzing over my head. It's a chaotic situation at this point. It looks like more police cars are pulling up. If you can hear the sirens behind me. They locked the front doors, moved to the back room, and turned on KMOX. After John Carney had told us that the shooter was, they did have the shooter, um, we came out of the Madison Avenue salon. The tornado that struck the airport. I understand that uh, this tornado was wrapped in rain, one of the most dangerous kind. And my car was spinning like a top. And next thing I know, I see trucks flying in front of me. My gosh, you've got to feel like a pretty lucky man right now. We've just learned that uh, we're going to carry the Cardinal baseball game, which is about to get underway in just minutes on Y98 tonight, so that here on KMOX News Radio 1120, we can continue with our continuous coverage of this tornado. You know, one of the fun things about this was to go back and to hear Bill Reeker, John O'Connor, Paul Harris, uh, you know, still hear Megan Lynch and uh, Maria Kina, uh, and of course. KMOX's Michael Calhoun has been embedded into a Missouri National Guard unit headed for the Gulf. Those voices that become like friends, like Bob Hamilton. And you mentioned uh, we just heard about Cardinals baseball, of course. 3-2 delivery on its way. Swing and a high drive to center field. Get up, baby. Get up, baby. Get up. Oh, yeah. David Fries has just sent us in the game number seven. This series is tied. Of course, Cardinals baseball brings St. Louisans together like nothing else, and KMOX has not only been the home for that, but with the signal reaching uh, the 1120 signal, reaching cars and homes in 44 states and multiple countries, you could say that KMOX turned a region of the country into Cardinal Nation. And so we've talked about news, we've talked about sports, but what about the talk show hosts that become like friends? Good morning, everyone. John McCormick speaking, the man who walks and talks at midnight. From our little part of the world, the city of St. Louis, here comes 50,000 clear channel red-hot watts of the wide horizon late-night signal of radio. What do you think about them apples? From Charlie Brennan to two Carnies over the years to two Johns, and of course, our current talk show hosts right here, including in the studio right now with the DGS. Uh, we've got uh, you know, KMOX, uh, just a part of the St. Louis community. So again, it was fun to uh, go through all of our clips. I love the color green. And all the cool people and beads and KMOX. And find those clips which encapsulate the feeling. Thank you, Michael. That's very cool. My memories, uh, one is sitting at breakfast with my dad putting sugar on top of his Frosted Flakes and slurping it in his overalls, listening to the KMOX and the morning march would come on. And I'm like, I hate my life. And uh, (laughs) my mom, who's 96, telling me, I used to listen to Cardinal Baseball when I was 14 in Benton, Illinois, and I'm like, time for the nursing home. (laughs) Turns out she's right. She was listening to Cardinal Baseball that long ago, that far away. Just there's nothing like it in the country. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, the memories of driving across the bridge in St. Pete here in Blues Hockey or sitting in Washington, D.C., pulling in the Cardinals game. It's incredible. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back, guys. DGS on KMOX. Happy Monday to you. As you know, if you listen to the show much, we love to help local businesses. We love restaurants. And uh, when it is a good friend, it's even better. My buddy Pierre is here. I, I guess I I've known you as long as you've known Nick, right? I mean, yeah. How yeah. far back does that go? Uh, Capital Grill, the opening of Capital Grill. Uh, so five years, six yeah. years, yeah, seven? yeah, yeah. I lose track. And quickly. so, right? And so, you have a new venture yeah. at the Missouri yeah, History absolutely. Museum. Yep, absolutely. It's called the Key Bistro. We opened just over three months ago now, and it's been a fantastic journey. Uh, and I was just telling you before we went live that it's it's always a struggle. It's always difficult, but this is the first time I've done it myself. Yeah. So it's been a bigger learning curve and overall rewarding. Yeah. Uh, back when Bolger was in town, he and I looked at two or three places opening up a place, and I was shocked at how expensive it was, how how much work it is, um, how relatively difficult it is to get it back. But you guys keep doing it. You know, like every time Mayhe's <laughs> on, he's like, oh, yeah, here's another one, here's another one, here's another one. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely is a lot of time, money, uh, effort, all of that. I got really fortunate with the museum. Uh, they've been the Missouri History Museum has been probably the best partner I can ask for. The infrastructure was already built out, and they took care of a lot of the upfront expenses in terms of renovating the the space itself, uh, deep cleaning the kitchen. Uh, the kitchen was pretty messy, and mm-hmm. when we moved in, it looked brand new. So. They've been doing just a fantastic job. But aside from that, you know, there's always the labor cost, the food. And, you know, it's definitely not definitely not something you go into to to make a quick buck. But it's something you have to love. So, so I think that all real St. Louisans know the History Museum. They drive by. They're like, that's a history museum. But not enough people go. It's so easy to go to the zoo. So easy to go to the art museum. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the forgotten museum. But it is really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, the exhibits are always changing right now. Uh, we're in the midst of changing the 1904 World's Fair exhibit that's slated to open up April of next year. Um, I don't have the exact timeline in front of me, but I know the soccer exhibit's going to be closed down, uh, open up a new one in there. So they're always changing things. Uh, every Thursday night, there's a happy hour that's open to the public. There's always a speaker or some kind of event going on in the auditorium. Last week, there was a play that was free to the public. 
uh, and that's from five to seven every Thursday. So there's always something to do there. Um, and people say that a lot. They come in, we kind of forgot about this, and it's actually really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, how how long has the History Museum been without an eatery now? Um, they the previous operator shut down late May, so they weren't without one for too long. It was just under. We opened up August 18th, I believe was the exact date. So it wasn't too long that they were shut down. Um, Butler's Pantry years ago operated mm-hmm. Bixby's. And in my understanding, uh, to be nice, I think that was the last higher-end operation. Mm-hmm. The other operators were, they were doing their best, yeah. but they weren't, you know, a, a destination where Butler's Pantry was really well-revered. And you come from quite a lineage, right? I mean, yeah. like Capital and mm-hmm. 801 and... Yep. You have very high standards. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, 801 Chop House into Capitol Grill really is where I learned the service industry. Uh, I learned it from, you know, a lot of great chefs, a lot of operators. Uh, have to say how, how did Jeff Dill. It's his mm-hmm. 50th birthday. So, oh, happy uh, birthday. Learned a lot from Jeff. And, um, you know, I think you met Ian Rockwell back in the uh, 801 sure. days. Uh, so those two guys really helped me a lot. And then... You know, my parents were both restaurant uh, affiliated, so I always make the joke it's in my blood. Yeah, tell Wheeler about your dad. He'll get a kick out of this. Oh, yeah. My dad, uh, before he worked, uh, he finished his career at the St. Louis Club in St. Louis, but before that, his claim to fame is he was the president, the president's chef for Bush Sr. and Clinton. So he was the president, executive chef to the president. Nothing to live up to there. All right, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, no pressure, bud. No. (laughs) <laughs> but the, the the cafe and the museum is going really well. So, <laughs> so no, it, it definitely is. Uh, it's actually funny. I went to college and then did like the corporate finance thing after that, and I didn't go into restaurants till my mid late twenties. I think that was probably part of the reason. Just mm-hmm. kind of, what am I going to do? But it's not really. And I learned it's just like it's not really comparing yourself. Yeah, just, yeah. just yeah, do yeah. something you love. So. Yeah, it's a great influence though. Yeah, yeah, and he was there for the, I mean, he's he helped with the, the, our chef actually, Kevin Green, worked for my dad about 20 years ago, hmm. so he just applied to an online posting, so in a weird roundabout way, it all kind of came full circle, Yeah, and he was the first person, my dad remembered him exactly, and he's like, that guy's great, so a lot of the recipes are either directly from my dad or influenced by him from Kevin. Yeah. So Was your dad like an old school pan thrower kind of guy? Uh, according to him... All the stories I've heard about him from dozens of people are all exaggerated. <laughs> so, yeah, they all have the exact same stories, the exact same, yeah, but details. But they're all made up. <laughs> That's great. Um, no, he, was, he wasn't he was the, you know, yelling for no reason. But, yeah, you didn't want to. You didn't want to really take <laughs> yeah, him off. Yeah, you're in the White House. Yeah. And also, you don't want you didn't want to whistle. That was a big pet peeve. Really? Evidently, there was some blow-ups from whistling. So... <laughs> Of all things. And and where were you when he was doing that? What was your place in life? Uh, when he was at the White House? Yeah. Uh, I was in, we started the White House, I was eight, going on nine. Okay. So it was funny because I knew it was something different, him working at the White House, but growing up outside of D.C., like a lot of people, like their parents work at the Pentagon, or if some people, their parents worked in the White House. I think later on when I was going into high school, and especially when I was in my 20s and entering restaurants um it just kind of kept on you're like oh kept okay. on dawning on me how, <laughs> how unique it is yeah. you know so, so did you spend a lot of time there uh yeah that was that was obviously way before 9-11 so security was they, they were still there but it was pretty as long as you had a security badge and they knew who you were 
Uh, so, I mean, if he had to go to the White House for some reason on his day off or after work, I was able to go with him. So, yeah, um, yeah I would be able to go with him here and there, kind of walk around places. And then they did a yearly they did a yearly party for the staff and the first lady and the president would take pictures of everybody. And then if they wanted to mingle, and I know uh, Bush Sr. and Barbara Bush would always spend a lot of time. They were really, uh, really great. Yeah. I do remember distinctly hanging out with them and. Clinton was probably busy upstairs. He was, uh, yeah, he was. <laughs> he, surprisingly, he he had some 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 chaos going though. The year we went, he had some bad PR. So, yeah. um, talking to my friend Pierre Chambrin here, who has just opened a new place at the Missouri History Museum. So, what's the name of the place, and then tell everybody what it is. Yeah, so uh, the Key Bistro. Uh, we got our name. Uh, I had the idea for this. There was a Facebook ad, one of my friends, uh, Brian Hardesty, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering his name. Never actually met him in person. Uh, he was the owner of Gorilla Street Food and one of those Facebook friends you just have. And he posted something pretty ambiguous about an opportunity he has heard about. Reached out, had this idea for the concept. Uh, French Bistro, when you go in, you have food that you recognize, something that you might not, though, expect. So you might not expect to have lobster bisque when you go into the museum's cafe you might not expect, you know, homemade quiches, uh, but you will expect to have like a burger. So we just wanted to make the best burger we could offer. Uh, so that's really the the concept was just simple French inspired fare. Uh, the name came from Pierre Laclede. If you take La Clede, it means the key in French. We were trying to think of a name uh, for a while. Pierre's was being thrown around. I really hated that idea. And then there was really nothing. <laughs> There was no backup for the key. So luckily, the museum board, uh, once they decided to partner up with us, they, they yeah. were cool with the name. So The only person I know who's more French than your dad is this guy right there. Well, I'm really? not really. No, we know that, Wheeler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He took French. I'm adopted. In... It's my second language. And I like French food. So you're fluent? Uh, listening, yes, not speaking. Oof, I'm bad at all of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did four years in college as my second major. Really? Yeah. I did four years in high school, and it was easily my worst subject. Like, by, by, <laughs> by, by not even, not even a small, not even a small margin. It was drastically worse. Like all A's and B's, and like C's on a good day. Oh no. Yeah. What uh, What are your hours? Uh, Eleven to two. We do lunch uh, every day, except for Monday mm -hmm. when we're, the museum's closed, and then we do have what we're calling our Key Bistro Express counter. Uh, we were calling it the to-go counter, but really it's from 10 to 4. So it's just an abbreviated menu. So if you come in, it's 3 o'clock, you want a sandwich, we have a great offering up there. We just don't have the full menu. And then on Sunday, what we're really uh, trying to push, because we just started about five weeks ago, is our Sunday brunch. Yes. And that's a brunch buffet from 10.30 to 2.30. Uh, we have live music provided by Acoustic Element, a local group here. They're phenomenal. They have the perfect balance of the music that you pay attention to and hear, but you can still converse anywhere in the in the in the dining room. As a Philistine, I m miss the days when brunch in St. Louis meant a brunch, like all you can eat. Yeah, you know, like when I was a young man and I went to Casa Gallardo and they had waffles and chicken wings. I'm like, what the hell's happening? <laughs> and then recently, you go to a brunch and it's a menu. I'm like, this isn't a brunch. Yeah, yeah, and there's there, luckily most people feel like you. Uh, we do have a handful of people that have been requesting, but 
for one, it's a non-negotiable at this point. We, yeah. we, we've stuck with the brunch buffet, the yeah, museums. They can shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. Uh, <laughs> the museum, they've just had a great track record through all their operators of having the brunch buffet. Yeah. So uh, we're continuing that. And, okay. Yeah, I will take all you guys next week. Awesome. Okay. And I will see you for brunch maybe even, you open this Sunday? Absolutely. The holiday and everything? Yep. Okay. That's my buddy Pierre. Uh, the name of the restaurant is Key. The Key Bistro. The Key Bistro in the St. Louis History Museum. Uh, I, I know Pierre. I totally vouch for him. The food is going to be fantastic. Continue to say to you, my friend. All the best to your little girl. Thank you very much. All right. Quick break. Right back. DGS. <laughs> 251 DGS. I'm having kind of an eat the rich day. Um, back in 04, the first year I made any money, and I used a, a supposed to be the best accountant in the world, and he got indicted, and I got uh, uh, audited and ended up having to pay like 50 grand. And they were not nice to me. They were not friendly. They were very threatening. Over 50 grand, right? And I don't know exactly what Shakira went through, but she owes $30 million mm. and she just made a deal. I'm sure no one threatened to throw Shakira's butt into prison, and uh, it just pisses me off. I remember one of the very first things I did as a young attorney, and I know now that they were just letting me go along. I thought I was going to handle something, and they were just like, hey, why don't you go along to this meeting? One of the partners in the law firm I had joined— Red flag uh, was a part of a group of guys who owed five million dollars and weren't going to pay it back. I forget what the what what it was for, and uh, they were going for a meeting with the banks about this five million dollars that they had borrowed. They weren't going to pay back. So I'm like strapping it on. This is going to be a fight, and they're going to be so angry. Oh my god! We walked in, and there were finger sandwiches. <laughs> And they're like, hey, buddy, how are you? How's that? You fixed that slice yet? Boy, I didn't think you were ever going to get out of that sand trap. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> it was the most cordial, charming each other. They settled for like $800,000 or something. And I remember back then being 25-year-old Woody Boyd off the farm, still from Wilson Street in South Roxana, like, oh, these people are different. Yeah. And it just makes me mad. Different rules for them. Yep. Well, why do you think there are so many people pushing against the or pushing for the defund the IRS stuff? Because if they hire more employees at the IRS, they have more resources to go after the wealthy. And who doesn't want that? Well, let me ask you this. We talk a lot about the younger generation yeah, being, for the most part, pretty liberal and pretty anti-rich. Do you think that finally... Z or Alpha could go after the rich and get their taxes and such? Or is every generation going to have the rich and there'll be rich millennials and rich Zs and rich Alphas and they'll they'll keep it under wraps the same way everyone has for the whole history of our country? Yeah. Rich Gen X are having rich Gen Z children. And the rich Gen Z children are not going to be much like the rich Gen X children of rich boomers and rich greatest generation, they're not going to be interested in changing the status quo because the status quo works for them. 20% flat tax, no loopholes, no nothing, not a single deduction. The IRS code could be one page. This is the history of the world, though. Yeah, it's not new. What civilized society has not had the wealthy class and everyone else? Mm -hmm. I mean, it existed in Greece. It existed in Rome. It existed 
uh, in all of the European countries that our ancestors fled, right? I mean, that was the whole idea of starting the United States because there wouldn't be a class system. There wouldn't be the nobles and the peasants. There wouldn't be um, the House of Lords and the House of Commons. Everybody would be ideally the same. But then the rich people here were like, we kind of like that whole special treatment thing. We're going to do that for us. And it obviously started that way and continued that way. And I, based on that observation, I would say it's going to remain that way. And historically, I, I'm no historian, but historically it seems that it worked, it goes pretty well until the rich get over their skis and really piss off the peasants who decide to overthrow them or at least bloody them up a bit. Yeah, but we're pretty comfortable peasants here. Yep. I mean, you yep. can't call us peasants. Everyone in the United States, I mean, we're still living a pretty comfortable life. Mm-hmm. So we're placated by Netflix and, yeah. you know, drama. Yeah. You know, people threatening to fight each other in the Senate. We're like, ooh, what's that? We're just so easily distracted. Right. Yeah. But we also, like, when you think of where revolutions happened, including here, uh, a lot of it started with people not having anything to eat. Right when it gets to that point, the wealthy are in trouble. It got that way in France. It got that way in in England when you ended up with the Magna Carta. I mean, like that's in, when Russia. When you have extreme conditions where people literally have nothing to lose, well, then you're in trouble when you're in the wealthy class because there's more of those other people. They've gotten better at it. Yeah, I mean, look if you just if you just keep it under control and let people have the things that regular human beings have now in the modern world. You're not, I mean, who, who amongst us is going to be like grabbing weapons and taking to the street to start a, uh, you know, a class war? Yeah. Nobody. Cause your, your life's fairly comfortable. Yeah. The worst we do is bitch and moan on radio shows like this and yeah. they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Let them, it's like letting a little baby cry it out. So they go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Like eh, they'll cry it out. They'll go to sleep. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can 
put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.